If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. The Steelers pay a visit to the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. Maybe the best team in the entire NFL, and I know it is for a fact the biggest underdog the Steelers have pretty much ever been. Uh, You want to go back and say, well, since the 1970 AFL-NFL merger, that's technically the accurate thing to say. Did football even exist before 1970? I don't think it did. I, mean, I don't think it did either. So. Joe Namath, I don't know who that who is. Who the hell Star, cares about I don't know that. who that no, is. No, no, no. It really is a testament to how great the franchise has been for so long that they've gone 52-plus years never being a 14-point underdog or greater than a 14-point underdog. There's been some down Steelers teams in that stretch. There's been some teams that were juggernauts in that stretch that down Steelers teams have faced. But they have, I guess, yet to have a perfect storm quite like this where your identity on offense is so up in the air, especially with the quarterback change. Your defense has been struggling mightily, and you're going up against one of the most prolific offenses in football. Probably the most prolific defense in football through four games. Really good special teams play. <laughs> Well-coached team. Tom, is Deep there any- on all parts on the roster. Is there anything you don't like about this Buffalo team? I, I think they are the—I said this on Wednesday's Countdown to Kickoff. They are the most well-built team in mm. the NFL. These members of the front office for Buffalo recognize weaknesses that they had, and they weren't even that big of weaknesses, but they said, hmm— We need to get deeper on the defensive line. We need to get more depth on uh, the defensive side of the ball. We need to get a running back like Devin Singletary. We need to get maybe another wide receiver, although that hasn't panned out yet, for Steph Diggs and Josh Allen to help in their passing game. They they put a lot of icing on their cake this offseason. And Max Starks put it, I think, better than anybody I've heard yet. They built a team with the specific goal in mind to beat the Chiefs. They've got nine guys that can rush the passer. Mm-hmm. They're going to be fresh all game long, so Mahomes isn't going to be able to do that, you know, Mahomes magic like he did against Tampa Bay on the pass that he threw uh, to Edwards Alaire. They built a team with the thought in mind, we're not just going to make the playoffs. We're not just going to win the AFC East. We're going to win the entire AFC. We're building a roster that can take out any team, but especially that Chiefs team. And, it has been executed flawlessly. I, It's our job in these episodes on Fridays to kind of point out the weaknesses for you and where you mm-hmm. can attack them. I don't know if they have any weaknesses. As time has progressed, Tom, it, even though they lost a game to um, 
Miami, that was a really hard game. That was a football is not meant to be played in over a hundred degree weather. And they lost what ten or so starters throughout that entire game due to the heat. So they weren't at their best. And yeah, I think I agree with you. Max made the best point is there was really one hurdle for the for the Bills to get over in order to become Super Bowl champions. I know the Bengals eventually beat the Chiefs, and I know the Rams made it all the way to the Super Bowl through the NFC side of things and won it, but the Bills kind of looked at themselves in the mirror and said, there's one team out there who we know we're going head to, we're going head-to-head with or toe-to-toe with, and they're going to beat us, possibly, and more times than we could beat them. So what do we do? How do we beat them? And I think, like I said, I agree with you. I think Max made the best point that their hurdle was to become better than the Chiefs. And I think in this offseason, they did that. Before we get too much into the weeds as far as Bills, Steelers, matchups, offense attacking the defense, defense attacking the offense, et cetera, et cetera, let's take a look at the injury report for both teams because a lot of people. Yes. For both sides. For both teams. Yes. The Bills, it's unbelievable. But let's start with the Steelers. Uh, we're recording this, obviously, on Friday afternoon, as we always do. So Thursday is our most recent frame of reference point. Deontay was limited with a hip. Sutton was limited with a groin and a hamstring. Witherspoon did not practice with a hamstring. He's out for Sunday's mm-hmm. game against the Bills. So they'll be without Spoon. But you kind of expected that. Yep. Limited with Levi Wallace and a foot. You starting to notice the theme. It's pretty that's the entire secondary. Edmonds and Minka. Now Edmonds with a concussion, Minka with a knee. Both limited on Thursday, trending in the right direction. I think Minka's gonna go. Man, it's so <laughs> if you're following the NFL this year, I don't have to tell you how fickle concussions can be. Right. I have no idea what to expect about Edmonds and the fact that he's limited is a good sign, but I don't know. I wouldn't hold my breath for him. I bet you Sutton, Wallace, and Minka for sure go. We know Spoon's out, and Edmonds is the one I'm a little up in the air about. I think if you can have Minka back, you can survive without Terrell Edmonds. And I don't think there's a need to rush him back if you have Minka out there, if you have two of your starting cornerbacks in Levi. Well, I know Levi doesn't start, but he certainly has a lot of presence. He certainly has a lot of uh, field time. If you get if you get Cam Sutton and... Levi Wallace back, and you have Minka. I think you can survive without Terrell Edmonds. I don't think there's a need to rush, especially as you mentioned, Tom, given what we've witnessed out of Miami with Tua and his concussion issues. You don't want to be victims of that. You don't want to be the next team to say, oh, well, the Steelers didn't really follow the right protocols here when they rushed their guy back, and now he suffered another blow, and it's made the concussion even worse. So I, I think you can if you get those three guys back, the, the three that you listed, I don't see it as a as a world ending uh, injury to 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 play without Terrellans. In the trenches, Mason Cole with a foot was limited. Chris Wormley with an ankle was limited, and Cam Hayward ankle and an elbow mm-hmm. was limited. In well, yeah, practice. the guy the guy came in to last week's game against the Jets already injured, and then he left the game again with a second injury. And still came back to play. So, I mean, Cam's a warrior, but it has to worry you that he's now dealing with multiple injuries. And I think he's going to practice, or excuse me, he's going to play on Sunday. I, I think agree. All three of those guys I think are going to be good. I agree, but the fact that Cam has now left and returned in multiple games this season really worries you. All right, now here's how things look for Buffalo. 
Christian Benford, cornerback, hand, did not practice on Thursday. Wide receiver Jamison Crowder, ankle, did not practice on Thursday. Gabe Davis, who was dealing with an ankle, was a full participant in practice on Thursday, so he's back. Tremaine Edmonds, hamstring, did not practice. Linebacker, very good linebacker as well. Daquan Jones got some vet rest, so don't worry about that. Dawson Knox, the tight end, foot, hamstring, did not practice, and he's actually been ruled out by Coach McDermott for this game on Sunday. Jake Kumro, ankle wide receiver, did not practice on Thursday. Isaiah McKenzie with a concussion, another wide receiver that was a limited practice. Vaughn Miller didn't practice. But that's just because he's a veteran and got mm-hmm. fed rest. So got the boogeyman's still going to be out there on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, ruining Steelers fans' uh, afternoon. Mitch Morse, the center, was a full practice, so he should be back. That was one of those guys that went down against the yes. Dolphins in that brutal, in that game, brutal yeah. game. Offensive lineman Justin Murray, another one of those guys, was limited in practice. Ed Oliver, really young, really good defensive tackle with an ankle, is limited. Jordan Phillips, another defensive tackle, limited with a hamstring. And last but not least... But probably the most important, Jordan Poyer, no practice with ribs, just like Dawson Knox this morning, officially ruled out by Coach Sean McDermott. So, so the lead nope. leader in interceptions mm-hmm. ain't going to be out there. No Poyer, no Micah Hyde. I mean, that's no Tre'Davious White. No Tre'Davious White, right? But we knew that going into this game. Also, the two Micah Hyde and and Tre'Davious White, the Jordan Poyer thing, I think, really opens up a hole for the Steelers. And it's kind of good timing because you put in Kenny Pickett, who showed that he was going to be aggressive and move the ball down the field. And now with three of their best secondary members all out, I think that I'm not saying it's a key to victory, but it's certainly if you want to keep it competitive. Their secondary is essentially non-existent right now. Well, we were just talking about where do you identify the weakness. There is no weakness when they're fully healthy, but right now that secondary is so banged up that if you're the Steelers' offense and my plan of attack, it's almost just you have to pass the ball. You have to try to let it mm-hmm. rip a little bit and see if you can take advantage of you know, third, fourth, fifth-string guys needing to step up for the absence of their superstars that are out on the uh, defensive backfield. So... I think attacking downfield is the way to go about this. A lot easier said than done. And the thing that's going for Buffalo, even with all of these injuries to their secondary, is like we've mentioned several times this week, their defensive line is not only one of the best in football, it's the freshest in football deep into fourth quarters of games. They've got like nine guys that they rotate in and out. So I look at the secondary and I say, you know what? For Kenny making his first start in Buffalo, pretty good sign that almost all of their superstar latent secondary is going to be out of this game. But then I also say 10, 15, 20-yard down the field routes to develop can the offensive line, which has been really good so far mm-hmm. in pass protection, hold up against its stiffest test all year. Right. We kept saying how throwing Kenny in halfway through the Jets game was the move that we kind of wanted to see, right? The offense was really stalling out, and you just didn't feel comfortable with Mitch taking sacks and just being very conservative with the football. But then when you throw Kenny in there, you have to say, okay, well, Kenny's our guy now. And then you look ahead right after that Jets game was over, and you said, oh, bleep, you have the Bills and the Bucks and the Dolphins and the Eagles all waiting for you, all waiting for Kenny, essentially. Yep. And we were saying how, wow, this is going to be a trial by fire, w- one hell of a trial by fire for Kenny Pickett, throwing him into the fire, like throwing him into the flames like that. But as you said, Tom, 
if he can stay mobile, stay upright, and the offensive line, even though it is going up against its biggest test so far this season, Von Miller and company, I think if I think if he gets I think if the offensive line does as they've done all season, which isn't top 10, isn't even top half, but top 20, right? No longer number 32 or number 31 in the league. I think it could lead to a not horrible day for Kenny Pickett. I'm not saying that will lead to a victory for the Steelers, but because of the offensive line playing much better than it has than it was expected to all season and the depleted secondary for Buffalo, I don't know if this will really be that bad of a day for Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I'm getting more optimistic as we get closer to the Sunday. And you know what that means? Von Miller's going to have like five sacks on the sacks. Yeah. He's going to do something ridiculous. Uh-huh. Von Miller, ugh, bone to pick with that dude. Did you see when he was on, uh, I don't know if it's his podcast or he was just playing video games or whatever. But like Twitch streaming? Now. When Kenny said that uh, you know everybody thinks we're underdogs but no one in this locker room thinks we're underdogs. Totally normal thing for a quarterback to say, right. especially making his first start. What did you want him to go out there? Even yeah, even, we're fourteen point underdogs. And we're gonna get smoked by double that. Do like, you remember when Ben said something similar like two years ago in twenty twenty? I do not. No, it, it was something along those exact same lines. Just saying, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see us as as underdogs to a. So to a Von, oh, it was last year against the Chiefs. It was last year in the playoffs. Do you remember that? How. In the wild card round, the Steelers were total underdogs, and Ben said, "I don't look at us as underdogs." That's all you do when you're the starting yeah, quarterback. Right. That's that's team speak, classic stuff. And Vaughn Miller, I don't know what he's doing, but he's going out there and he's saying, "Like, oh, stop it, Kenny! No one thinks you guys are underdogs." A lot of people kind of do, and then he's like, "No one looks at the spread and things like that." And that's like, dude. He never mentioned the spread, first of all. It's just the mentality and the vibe uh-huh. around the game. Is These guys don't look at spread. They, and they just the, look at win or loss. And then the other, not even that. It's just like the they can sense the vibe yeah, around right. the media and the right. town as they head into a game. And like you said, they recognize what's going on around the league. Mm-hmm. They know the Bills are really freaking good. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing Von Miller was saying was, this is the best offensive line that we've gone up against all year long. And we've been talking about how it's been better than expected, but... I don't know what the hell he's doing there. He's like gassing up the guys he's going to beat, but maybe that makes it more enjoyable for him when he does get the job done. Is but- he also kind of throwing under the bus the offensive lines of like the Rams, who isn't bad, the Chiefs, which we know is really good? They didn't play the Chiefs yet, so. Oh, shoot, you're right, yeah. When they play the Chiefs, I'm sure that will take the lead because yes. that line is unbelievable right. in just two years' time of rebuilding it up, but. I mean, the Titans line is not that great. No, I mean, but the Ram- one, Rams, the Rams line is weak this yeah, it was, year. I mean, they obviously, without Whitworth, they're struggling to find some, you know, foundational. They obviously pieces got there. exposed in Week One when Von Miller went off on them. A Miami, okay, offensive line. Mm-hmm. The Miami offense was barely on the field that entire right. game, though. And then Baltimore. It's just a weird thing for him to say. Yeah, it, it, I agree. It's like he's complimenting one group of Steelers. You, you're really great. Like it's going to be a great challenge or something. And then he's like, "Stop it, Kenny. No one thinks." You're an underdog. It's like, okay, like it's trying not, to make it's, sense. It's, it's hard to make I, sense tr- of. Yeah. Is, like, I, is he firing up his team? Is he trying to keep them? Fo- like, I don't know. Can't make heads or tails of it. All I know is that dude's a problem, and the Steelers need to stop him a lot on Sunday. Yeah, I, I think without Poyer on the field, Von Miller is your game plan, right? That that, that is problem, or that is that is mission A, B, and C. When you're when you're going into practice all week for the Steelers, when you're on the offensive line, this is the one guy you need to prepare for. 
If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Vaughn Miller. One thing I'm looking for out of Kenny is the, oh, bleep, things are breaking down. I'm taking off and running. Not even going to try to reset the pocket. In the future, I would really much prefer him to be able to escape one pocket and then reset himself into another pocket. As a rookie against a team like this, with a Hall of Famer and Vaughn Miller probably breathing down your neck all game long, first read's not there, pressure's coming, take off for 10 yards. You know, Dave Damashek said last week one of the truisms of rookie quarterbacks across the spectrum is when they sense pressure and they've only hit one read, they take off a lot. They try to run and make a play happen with their Mm -hmm. legs because sometimes that's a lot easier to do than trying to throw the ball. And you certainly have a higher percentage of retaining possession if you're just going to take off and run instead of try to force a pass in there. So hopefully we see, as Kenny's young, more of a willingness to get out of that pocket when it maybe isn't completely collapsed, but you can sense it's going to collapse and pick up some semblance of positive yardage. I think that the Bills' defensive line is going to be getting into the backfield a lot. The key is, is Kenny going to have the escapability necessary to extend plays, create something with his feet, allow a wide receiver to improvise a route to have a big chunk play on something that broke down initially? That's what I'm keeping my eye on here. Not necessarily is the offensive line going to be able to hold up and be dominant in pass protection because I think that's a fool's errand. How is Kenny going to react to all the pressure he's going to face? And I'm kind of excited to see it because, you know, we saw in the game last week when he came in against the Jets, you know, his his willingness to roll out, throw mm-hmm. on the run, a moving pocket, take off and run when he needs to, quarterback sneak it if he needs to get a yard. So really interested to see how he deals with the pressure in the pocket and how he uses his legs to help make positives out of plays that look to be negatives. I kind of, from just the small sample size, right, the, the 13 pass attempts he had uh, on last Sunday against the Jets, uh, you kind of have to feel a little bit optimistic in terms of, I know his decision-making, there were question marks, right? The Pat firing with interception is the number one uh, throw that comes to mind when you think of his decision-making. But I think now with an actual week of game plan or game planning and practice with the first team. I kind of feel like and learning from those mistakes he made in week sorry in week 1 his 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 first week uh playing with the team. I kind of feel like he's going to be able to learn. He he just kind of seems that now that he can he can look at himself and say I am the guy and this is the comfortability I have with these players on offense. I'm having the conversations now with the offensive line. I I can now recognize I I I know I know that the pass that I made to Pat Fryermuth was not the right move. And earlier in the game, I was making moves outside of the pocket, a couple five, six, seven yard scrambles to keep plays alive. I think he's going to be able to do it again. It's just how good can this offensive line for the Steelers hold up against the Bills' pass rush? I mean, it's clearly there. 
I, I mean, you talk the, you talk about the Bills having their biggest test. I'm using air quotes here, quoting Von Miller against the Steelers' offensive line. But this is by far and away the bigger test: the Steelers' offensive line going up against the Bills' pass rush. Yeah, I think that's the key matchup: offense versus defense. Is that offensive line going to hold up in a semblance of a way to give Kenny enough time to, like I said, make something happen with his feet, escape the pocket, do something downfield? have routes develop against a weaker secondary than you're used to seeing in Buffalo because of the injuries. So I think that's first and foremost, you got to be able to protect against the pass rush. One way to keep the pass rush off balance is by running the ball very effectively. Kind of seen Najee improve week after week after week. Maybe that's just getting healthier and healthier and healthier, but did better against the Browns. Then I think had his best game of the year against the Jets, Mm -hmm. 18 carries, uh, 80 plus yards, 4.1 per carry. Getting closer and closer to that century mark. Maybe he gets it in this week, although very tough task against one of the best, sure. the third best rush defense in the NFL, only 84 yards per game. Uh, but you can't just go into this with the idea that they're really good at stopping the run and their secondary's banged up, so let's just pass, 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 and pass some more. Got to get them off balance a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if even though the Bills never blitz, they only send four, Maybe dial up a little something with Milano or Edmonds if Edmonds plays in this game just to keep the rookie, you know, guessing a little bit. Run right into the teeth of those blitzes. Run right into the teeth of that four-man rush on the defensive front and see if you can get some success on the ground. And another thing that I'd be interested to see is maybe a little designed runs, not for 22, but for number eight, where, Mm. you know, he's got the read option and he's going to... hand one off to Najee and he sees mm-hmm. Vaughn crash hard, I'm pulling that in and I'm running right around Vaughn for five yards. So maybe see a little bit more of that into the offense as you a kinda, way to help open up the running game. And you kind of saw a small snippet of it when Kenny had his second rush touchdown this past week. Right? It wasn't it was clearly not a designed no quarterback run, but, but Kenny I'd say saw, the run was like the second or third option in his Kenny mind. saw the run option and I know that's not the Pascal yeah sorry, the typical uh, RPO when it's the quarterback. But if Kenny can see that lane and he sees that Najee's going to get stuffed him and he sees a hole for himself, I I have no no lack of confidence that Kenny would have the, the wherewithal to say, okay, I'm just going to keep the ball for myself and take it five, six, seven yards. Yeah, and Kenny, you know, when he started at Pitt as a youngin, freshman year, uh, started that last game years against ago. Miami, yes, when I was a baby. He uh, was a run, I don't want to say run first, but running was right there with passing as far as how they Mm -hmm. wanted to utilize him. His most memorable play against the Hurricanes when he upset them in his first college start was a naked bootleg run play for a first down and a touchdown uh, when they needed a key fourth down conversion to ice that game. So he certainly has experience in those, you know, designed run kind of plays for a quarterback. Different beast in the NFL level. I'm for not sure. going to say he's going to naked boot for 40 yards like he did against the Hurricanes, but maybe he naked boots for like five yards and he gets a nice big first yeah. down. So definitely want to see him be utilized as a runner. And then in the receiving game, I'm not even going to lie to you folks. In my daily fantasy this week, I took Pickett to Pickens, and I took Pat Fryermuth too because I think those two are going to be his whoobies. As, as he continues to move forward in his career, as he continues to progress – the second-year man, Fryermuth, and his fellow rookie Pickens are going to be the bread and butter for the Pickett era. I don't recall after the interception 
that was the ball that was thrown at Chase Claypool. I don't recall hearing Chase's name really for the remainder of the game. That and, dude has fallen off to the fourth, fifth yeah. option if you count Najee. And and Deontay didn't get his first catch until what the fourth quarter. And maybe he had a little bit to do with Sauce Gardner and the Jets taking him away. Sure, but, but I, although I did talk to Dale and Matt about that, and they said Deontay was still pretty open in a lot of the game. They just you know didn't look his way. I mean, I have no problem with it if it means Pat Fryermuth is going to emerge as, what, the next... I mean, people have already said, and you bring this up a lot, too, that you've heard that tight ends take a couple of years to really establish themselves. It's one of Matt Williamson's favorite sayings, but also Matt Williamson telling me, usage-wise, he's already up there. That's where I was going. That's where I was going, is that in year two, he... I mean, it's not... I don't think he's really taken a next step. Because I think he was just as talented last year. It's just now the team is using, going to him more. Especially lately. The past yeah, especially couple in weeks. the last half of football that we've seen. Statistically, he's nowhere close to Kelsey and Andrews. No. Yet. I mean, he hasn't had 100 yards receiving no. yet. But the usage rate and what you mm-hmm. kind of see talent-wise, he's right there. Pickens emerges as that number one and bumps Deontay down to where he probably should be at number, number two. two. You've got a really solid four years now of top three options in the passing game. So I was listening to you guys when you were on Countdown on Wednesday night, and I heard Matt Williamson say that, you know, with Claypool kind of sputtering and not being the best big man, but doing a a solid job as a slot receiver, right? Mm -hmm. He said one of his biggest assets coming out of Notre Dame was his blocking and special teams play, and that's really where you saw him struggle in his rookie year. Yeah, he's doing the dirty work now. And and his second year, he wasn't great at it either, but now he's kind of finding that juju role where he's playing the slot, and he's actually not doing a bad job when he's in that position. And then you have Deontay Johnson, who I think, you know, it was the right move to pay him now so that you don't have to kill yourself to pay him even more in a couple of years if you really wanted to retain him. But the, the, it's up in the air whether or not Claypool or Deontay come back when either of their contracts are up. But he was saying, it's a slam dunk. You better re-sign George Pickens. Yep. He said that, you know, it looks like Pickens is going to get that second contract. Deontay already does. You know how they love tight ends, so Pat probably will. Chase... That's the next one that's up mm-hmm. out of those group of people, and it doesn't even look like he's going to – maybe they kick the t- – I don't know. I wouldn't even kick the tires on. I don't really care. Because- a lot of it depends on what Mr. Calvin Austin the third can do when he yes. finally does come back. If he can show some things that says it's a good fourth, fifth option, then things get real if, tight for Chase Claypool. If Calvin Austin comes back – and they need him back too, man, because well, not only in they, they need him in the kick return. I game, was just gonna say, game, like, if Calvin Austin doesn't fumble ever for the rest of the season once he comes back, does Gunner lose his roster spot? I think Gunner should lose his roster spot right now. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to say that on you know Steelers Nation radio, but you can't fumble punts. They're already going to Steve Tomlin, Sims. Tom, if they're yeah, going right. to Steve Sims this week, like what does Gunner do? You made the roster. You made the final fifty-three because of your reliability in training camp. Steven Sims made the practice squad. And now in week five, they're already swapping you out for Steven Sims. I will say this. I think Sims has a little more upside potential. I agree. Yeah. I think I I think I see a little bit promise mm-hmm. with Steven Sims. So I'm interested in seeing him play this week, get some action. And seeing how he does, but you know, we just talked about the offense, man. I think that I'm more worried about how this Steelers defense can contain Josh. A hundred percent. There's no question. We said the key matchup 
was in order, I think, for the game to be competitive, for the Steelers' offensive line to do a solid job and keep Kenny upright. But it won't matter because I just think the the bigger mismatch is the Bills' offense to the Steelers' defense. And we will get all into that on our next episode. But first, you need to go and subscribe to the Mike Tomlin Game Day podcast. Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola talks with head coach Mike Tomlin about the upcoming game. New episodes drop every game day available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcast. And like I always say, you never hear Tomlin open up anywhere but this talk with Bob Labriola before game days. So make sure you listen to that. It'll drop Sunday morning before the Bills game. We're talking Steelers defense versus that juggernaut Bills offense next. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Opperman. You're listening to the Steelers Standard. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.